glad to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I feel like, you know, I feel like family, even if you don't feel like I'm family. Um, I'm act like I am. Uh, um, but yeah, this is, this is my third time here. I, I always love getting to come and share with you guys. Um, really do love, uh, love you guys like uh, I would be here if it was closer, you know, to me. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so a little bit about me if you've never met me before. Uh, brief uh, background for my story. Um, uh, became a Christian my junior year of college. Uh, I was on my way to commit suicide. Had this miraculous encounter with Jesus. Um, changed my whole life. Up until that point, I was a biology major, or a finance major, biology minor, because uh, I'm dumb. And uh, after that, God uh, changed my life and, 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 and brought me into a, a new path, doing something I never thought I'd be doing. And uh, I'm in my sixth year now, uh, and, and I love it. I love every bit of it. Um, I actually even have, um, uh, each month, I uh, send out a, a monthly newsletter to different people who support the ministry financially, who, who pray. Um, and would love for you guys to grab one of these on, on the way out. I uh, wanted to just uh, read some of the stories of what God's been doing on, on, the, on the campus, uh, but also so you can get connected, um, join the newsletter, and, and maybe get your, your dose of, your dose of um, monthly encouragement. Uh, in particular, I, I really love uh, this newsletter um, because I think it encapsulates a, a lot of what we're seeing on campus right now. Um, uh, it's a story of a, of a Hindu student uh, of ours who uh, is not Hindu anymore. He became a believer. Uh, he had two visions of Jesus. One, just a, a supernatural in, encounter with Jesus that no, none, of, none of us can, can magic or, or, or make happen. That's just Jesus being dope. You know, it's just him doing his thing, saying he's the king of the universe. He don't care, you know, doing what he wants to. Um, that's amazing. But the, but the other thing was, uh, was a vision he saw in real life he, of this community, of him, him looking at people doing stupid things, like, like confessing sins that they should have, like, never confessed out loud in public. Uh, but they're doing that because they, they, they say they follow this Jesus who, who receives our confession like it's flowers to him. And then he, he, he's in these communities with these people who are taking risks, like giving up, the, giving up um, their, their sexual relationships for, for the sake of Christ. And they're like, like he's like, what, what are you guys doing? Like, who is this guy that you're following? And it was actually that vision um, that led him uh, to, to turn over everything. Um, and so, uh, man, love for you to read that story. Um, so look, uh, if, if you've been here before when I'm preaching, I'm always here for a good time and a long time, okay? So, uh, so, so I'm going to get right in so we can just keep the first part without the second part. Um, otherwise, we'll be here till 2034. Um, so here we go. I, I was given the story of David and Goliath. That's a preacher's dream, okay? That's a straight shot right there. I mean, that's, that's easy. I mean, who doesn't love that story? It's a, it's a story of triumph. It's, it's the quintessential story of triumph, of the human spirit, of, of this idea that, that most of us can resonate with, this, this sense that, that there's something out there that's bigger than us, that we long to triumph over, that we, we long to see it at our feet so that we, we could be what we were meant to be. We're never supposed to be so afraid, never supposed to cower in fear so much. I mean, it, it resonates uh, with people across all cultures and, and times, whether you grew up in church coloring pictures of David or, or, or not, um, uh, most people know this story. It, it's a story of, of David, a, a shepherd boy uh, who, who 
carries the hope of his people onto a battlefield and stands before a giant that, that nobody else has ever conquered, a, a giant who is taunting and, 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 and making assumptions about their God, saying that he is, is bigger, is, is greater, is stronger. And, and David, this, this shepherd without a, a sword or a, a shield or a spear, uh, actually with the weapons of a shepherd, he, he conquers this, this giant and he puts him into the earth. And then he, he uses the giant's own sword to actually cut his head off. He, he brings it back to his king Saul as a presentation that, hey, I have accomplished what I was sent here to do. I mean, it's, it's a story that leads off the page to us. It's actually also a foreshadow of, of Jesus Christ. Jesus, uh, the shepherd who would stand before his own giant that nobody else had ever conquered, the giant of sin and death and the grave. Jesus, who would stand there without a, a, a spear or a sword or a shield, but actually with the weapons of a shepherd, his willingness to lay down his own life on behalf of his sheep would conquer and three days later would actually take death itself, cut off its head, bring it back to his king and father and say, I have accomplished what I was sent here to do. It is finished. Death is dead now. Who doesn't love that? So I'm ready to preach, okay? You know, who doesn't love that story? That's a, it, it, it captivates us. It's the story of, of us, man. It's the story of our king. Um, and, and, and it's a good story. It's well worth telling, but it's also well-worn territory. And I actually think that if we uh, look a little bit before that moment, we, we can actually see some more of this David and Goliath story, more of, of what it means to, to have faith, to, to operate in, in this sort of faith. That uh, I don't know if you guys grew up in church like I did, but David was like this character, bigger than life. Like it, I didn't ever feel like David. David always seemed too... Um, too sure of himself, too confident, too bold. Like, I can't imagine doing most of the things that David did. And actually, I think this story helps us unpack uh, a little bit more of, of what's going on in David's life and actually how he got that way. Um, so, so let's go ahead and, and get started. Let's read a little bit. Um, it says, uh, and, and we're going to start here at verse 33. Up until this point, uh, all you need to know is David's been minding his own business. He's a shepherd in the field. Uh, his dad sends him on an errand to, to give some, um, some bread and some cheese uh, to his brothers. And when he gets to uh, his brothers who are fighting in the army, and, and when he gets to the battle, he hears the shouting of this giant, Goliath, talking about how the king, of, uh, the, the God of Israel is not alive, is not real, will not protect, will not save. And instead of seeing a nation at war, he sees a, a nation of, of sheep cowering. Um, and, and, and so he, he hears that there's a reward. Uh, if, if anyone can, can kill the, the giant, there's a reward of uh, Saul's daughter. You get to marry the daughters. Uh, the, the king, or the daughter of the king, and, and he said, you'll be really wealthy. He also says, you don't have to pay taxes anymore. Probably should have led with that one. A lot of people would have fought then, right? So, so this is where we're entering into. Saul has an encounter with David and essentially like, David, hey, I know you want to take this guy out, but he's, he's beyond you. Like, this is like, get your heart, you know, bless his heart. You know, like he's like, great, great intentions, but you can't do this. And so here's where we, uh, we start off. It says, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, 
because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Now, when, when we read some of this, we have to be really, really careful. If we read uh, verses 35 through 36, like, we almost get a propaganda story. It's a, it's a story that seems larger than life. Like, David's like, look, I was out in the field. I, I was wrestling bears and lions, beating them to death with my bare hands. You know, you're like, okay, great, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. Right? And, and, and he's saying, like, I'm going to do that to this Philistine, too. Don't worry. And, and, and if you just read 35 and 36, that's kind of... How you'll leave? You'll, you'll leave with the sense that, that David is this like crazy, courageous, crazy, bold, uh, larger than life character. I could never measure up to him. Somehow he just is, you know, faithful. He's one of those faithful people. I, I kind of grew up in church where like there were faithful people and that was kind of their job. It was the pastor's job to be faithful. Like he had a lot of faith and I don't know, he just popped out that way. You know, maybe a worship leader here or there, an elder here or there. And then there was the rest of us, kind of like normal people. Uh, and, and these stories were meant to encourage us, but they weren't really, like, for us. We can do this. And, and, and so, so David, uh, that's what's happening in verses 35 and 36. It's, it's, it's fantastical almost. Uh, and, and if we just read that and we read it too quickly, we'll, we'll think about David's faith as, as Essentially, as something that none of us can, you know, attain. Like, we're like, okay, like, yeah, that was it. Like, he, he did some things, and, and now this is just another thing that he's doing. He's David. That's what he does. But, but verse 37 actually uh, clues us in a little bit to what I think faith looks like and what it meant uh, for David. And verse 37 says, it was the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And it's the Lord who will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine." Now, now, that's a whole different thing. I don't know. I've never felt as bold as David, but I've definitely felt like I needed to be rescued before. And, and that's the idea here, that actually David isn't this larger-than-life, confident, uh, bold, faithful character, but actually he's, he's a man who has grown used to being rescued. That what it means for him to walk in faith is actually to walk in the faith of a God who rescues those who put himself at his mercy. That, that he can go and do the thing that only God can help him do, and if he goes and does it, God will help him do it. So, so it's actually not about David at all. It's actually about David's God. It's about the goodness of a God who rescues, who saves out of the hand of a, of a Philistine, out of the hand of a lion, out of the hand of a bear, right? Like, that, that's the story, and, and that's a story that you and I can be a part of. I've never wrestled a bear. I'm not interested in doing it. I feel like anything that can eat me is racist. That's how I feel, okay? Not interested at all, right? But, but apparently what's happening here is it's not even about that. It's about the God who rescues people who are in situations that are beyond their control. And that is the seat of David's faith. That's how he goes and stands before Goliath. That's why he does everything that he's done. Not because he's so faithful, but because he's gotten so used to God showing up for him. He's become a person willing to be rescued. And I think that's important for us. It's, it's important for us because then verses 35 and 36 aren't like David being like, hey, man, you know, I've been doing CrossFit for like you know, three or four weeks. 
I can do two assisted muscle-ups. I think I can take, you know, I can take them. Like, that's, that's not what it is. It's actually a story about God. A story about God being faithful. A story about a God who rescues. Now, that leads me uh, to, my, to my first sort of point that I want you to take away here. Um, because what we see in the life of David is that this is not new for him. We're seeing something that's, the details are different now, but, the, but this isn't new. Uh, David has experienced God rescuing him before. There are these moments that came up in his life where he actually didn't have to. A lion came away and snatched a, a sheep, and he could have said, you know what? You deserve that. You work really hard for that, you know? Like, that's dinner. I'll see you next week. There will be more, right? Like, he could have just stayed there, but instead, he decides to say, okay, I'm a shepherd. It's my job to lay down my life for the sheep. I'm going to put myself in a situation that's beyond me, and I'm going to pray that God will rescue me. And then, and then he sees it happen. And then, and then another comes, another comes, a, a bear comes the next time. And, and once again, he has an opportunity to, to go about his business or to engage in an act of faith to say, okay, if I go after this sheep, God, will you rescue me? And God does. And so then David is on his way to, to deliver some errands. Once again, minding his own business, doing his job. And he sees that there's another enemy, an- another lion, another bear. And there's an army of sheep, but there's no shepherd to stand in between them to say, will, will someone rescue me if I stand in the middle? And that's really, really great. It, it leads to this first point um, because David has practiced. And, and so then it means that killing giants takes practice. And that's really, really good news. Because you probably have a giant or two in your life. It's probably coming up for you now, the thing that has taunted you and mocked you, maybe for years and years and years, the thing that you've been praying for, the thing that you've been trying to work around. It's ruining your marriage. It's ruining your relationships. It's ruining your esteem of yourself. It's, it's been your closest comfort and companion. For 40 days, Goliath stood in front of an army who should have challenged him and said that their God was not real. And for 40 days, that's how they lived. And maybe you find yourself living that way, like God isn't quite that real to you. Like there's a giant that's constantly mocking you, that you thought God would take care of by now, but no one has stood in defense of you, and, and, and there's just a giant there now. There, there's no dead body on the ground. There's no, there's no triumphant entry back into the king to say, here's what's been, been done. I've killed it. It's, it's just 40 days of mocking, and maybe you find yourself there. And there's really, really, really good news to you. And the good news is... You can practice. Now, that's also kind of bad news. The good news is you can practice, and the bad news is, like, you'd have to practice. Like, that, that's, the worst, that's the worst part. Because if, if, if killing giants takes practice, if, if growing in faith isn't just something, like, we, we appear with, if it's something we can walk deeper into, led by the hand of the Father, into more risks and more risks and more risks and grow and grow, if that's true, then that's really good news, but it's also really bad news because it means that you and I are probably the problem then. If the only thing holding us back from having more faith is putting ourselves in situations where we need faith to survive— then that means that the limiting factor on our faith is probably us. It it could be good news to us, but, you know, to be honest, in so many cases in my life it hasn't been. It's something I, I run from. 
But, but it is. It's supposed to be good news. It's supposed to be that, yeah, we can grow. I don't just have to sit in church and hear sermons and be encouraged and then go live a life that doesn't reflect anything that I heard. I don't, I don't have to hear day after day after day a giant in my life mocking me, saying that my God isn't real, saying that I'm just spending two hours in service because it's what I do and there's no power behind it. I don't have to live that way. I, I, I can be like David. David was just like me. Man, that's good news. I, I was actually thinking about this. Because once again, it's, it's about the way we read this passage. If we don't see verse 37, and we don't hear David's own words about what this experience has been like for him, an experience of rescue, not this triumph, not, not this great battle that he won. But he's like, no, actually, I was there, but God rescued me. And God's going to rescue me again. If we don't read it that way, then, then we won't really have joy. And, and, and there's actually, a, there's multiple ways to read that story. One is the way that probably, like me, I mean, I almost always read it like this is a story of a really faithful dude, and I'm not that guy, <laughs> so this does not apply to me. Um, and, and, and I have a story like that, so, so there's a way you can, you can tell the story that way. I was, um, this is about a year and a half ago, I was on campus, uh, I was in a period where I was trying to take more risks. And I see this guy on campus, and, and he, uh, he's on crutches, and he's just, he's having a terrible time. You can tell he's in pain. But more than that, he's one of those times, I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you look at somebody, and you feel like, man, they are so lonely. Like, you almost get, I, just this moment where you're like, I'm, like, I don't even know you, but it feels like you're a couple of days away from doing something that you'll regret. I don't know if you've ever been in Harris Teeter or walked around and just like seen someone like, man, like what is that? Like it just, well one, this isn't part of the sermon, but, but uh, there's a sense that it's my contention that that's 1 Corinthians happening, that that's a gift of discernment and that maybe that's actually the Lord speaking to you and, and that maybe even, even a little way that you could take a risk, so a way that you could practice is say a kind word to them or, or, or ask to pray for them. Um, but, but only to say, I mean, it, it was that sort of vibe. I'm like, man, like he just seems like a cloud is hovering over him. So, so I go and I talk to him. And I say, hey, man, what's going on with you? And, and he tells me about, you know, what, what's up with his body and how he uh, had surgery, um, had back surgery. And, and the doctor said that he wasn't going to be able to walk without crutches for another 12 weeks and maybe not walk normally for another 16 weeks or so. And so he was just in a rough place. And I was like, well, are you a believer? And he says, no, um, you know, he's agnostic. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. And, and Jesus says that if we lay our hands on the sick in faith, like, they'll get healed. And he's like, yeah, awesome. You know, and he's like trying to get away, like, you know. But he can't because he's like slow. He's on crutches. So I'm just like, yeah, you know, like every time he moves. Uh, so you can't outrun me, you know, like you picked the wrong day. So, so so he's just looking at me like a weirdo, like he should. And I'm like, hey, man, would you mind if I prayed for you? And, and, and there's a longer story there, but the longer story short is that he, he gets healed. And, and to this day, it, it remains the single uh, point in his life that he can point to and say, okay, maybe God is real. I mean, it's an amazing story. That's one way to tell it. <laughs> the other story, I and mean, the reality, though, is I've never come so close to peeing on myself in real life, you know, like, it, it wasn't, the, I could tell, like, this triumphant story, and like, oh, yeah, Brent's so great. It could be about David, right, easily, but that's not the truth. The reality is, I felt like I was being rescued. Like, it, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life up until that point, and all I was doing was saying words and praying. 
I wasn't standing in front of an enemy with a real sword and shield. The enemy was my own self-image. How dumb am I going to look? And to be honest, that was enough, that was almost enough to make me not do it. And honestly, if it hadn't been for months of practice up until then, I, I wouldn't have done it. I was rescued by the Lord. Nothing to do with me. It's not about David. It's about his God. It's about the God that rescues. And how did I get there? Well, actually, a couple of months before that, I find myself in Viva Chicken crying over my bowl of fried rice, as one does. Oh. Because I, I, I was at this point where I'm like, man, I'm tired of being so afraid of everything. It's all I ever do. I'm just afraid. And so I decided I was going to go on this 40-day fast where every day I take a risk. And I'm on day three. I'm supposed to still have courage. And I'm in Viva Chicken cry, crying over, you know, and I'm still eating because I'm hungry. You know, I'm not going to let that stop me, right? So it's just like, ooh, salt, you know, more salt. Um, and so I'm eating and, and I'm terrified because I feel like God uh, wants me to go pray for these two women that are across the table. And, and I'm just so afraid to do it. And so I'm crying in Viva Chicken, and I'm a missionary, like, and I'm afraid to pray for people. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Right? That, that was three or four months before I ever got to the healing guy. Like, and, and ultimately, in that moment, I had to say, like, okay, God, like, if, but if I never do something different, you'll never do something different. If I don't change, like, I'm only going to get the experience that I have of you. Like, the, like the experience that I have of you is, is probably equivalent to my surrender. And I just don't surrender enough. I'm just always afraid. I just always have an excuse. I'm tired of having excuses. So after I'm done crying, um, I, I asked to pray for them. And, and you know, and it, it went well. But once again, it was, it was one of the hardest things I'd ever done at that point. It was crazy that I could be up here standing in front of you preaching and be afraid to pray for some people in, in, in a store. I, w- I was practicing. And before then, I mean, I couldn't have done that if, if before then I hadn't decided, like, you know what, I'm too busy. Like, I need more of God, but I don't have enough time. And, and so I'm like, okay, i got to blow up my schedule, and i got to put God at the center, and I'll orient everything else around it, because if I'm too busy to be with God, I'm just too busy. Something has to change, and that, at the time, was one of the hardest things I ever did. I practice. And practice, and practice, and practice, because killing giants takes practice, and the good news is we can grow in faith if we're willing to practice. Now, now what does that mean for you? Like, like look, uh, to, to be completely honest, right, you may not be at the point where you can, like, kill the giant. Like, maybe you have a coworker at, at work, and they're not a believer. Like, maybe you're not at the place where you can evangelize to them and then baptize them in the water fountain. And it, you know, like, you're probably not there. That's probably a giant. <laughs> but you could invite them to church. You could probably do that. You could start to practice and see if God does something that you haven't seen him do before. I'm sure that David practiced. I'm sure that it wasn't, if, if we were to hear more of David's story, the lion was not the first time he had faith. What good news. And, and here's the second thing that I, I, I want to leave us with. It's not just good news that, that killing giants takes practice, and so therefore we can practice and grow in faith. It's also good news that God doesn't just want to use us, he wants to rescue us. That, that actually faith is about putting yourself in a position to be rescued. You know how easy it is to be rescued? <laughs> you know how little effort on your part it takes to have someone save you? Not much. 
I remember when I was, uh, uh, I, <laughs> I was at the beach, I was like probably 11, got caught in a rip current, and I didn't know anything about that. So I'm like, I'm like swimming, and like I'm, I'm swimming straight ahead, which you're not supposed to do, and my arms start locking up, and, and I'm, I mean, it was the first time I ever thought, like, I'm about to die. I mean, it, even right now, it, like, it kind of chills me. I remember me and my twin brother were both caught in it, and I remember saying to Kyle, I love you, you know, like, I mean, it's real, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna die. And then, man, I thought it was Jesus, but it was just a white guy on a surfboard, it was like, okay, like, come on, bro, I got you, you know, it was amazing, it was awesome, right, but like, this, this why did I even say this? Uh, <laughs> but the point is, I didn't do any work. He put me on the surfboard, he paddled me back to shore. That's what it takes to be rescued. You have enough faith to be rescued. You probably don't have enough faith to kill a giant. Probably not. You have enough faith to be rescued, though. And that's good news because day after day, in small ways and larger ways, you probably have opportunities to be rescued. Yeah, sure. If you evangelized or, or said something to your coworker, yeah, that might be against the policies of, of, of your work. Like, that might cost you something. But you could do that. God would probably rescue you. He would rescue us. He, he would do this for us. God, God wants to show that he's God. He wants to tell the giant that's mocking that there is a real God living in Israel, that it's not just wood and stone that we've made and now we're praying to him and spending two hours in church because, you know, this is what we do. He wants the world to know that there's a real God who's alive and well, who rescues. He wants people to know that. And it makes me think about this story with the, with the student, and, and I'll close with this. Uh, I have a student named Graham. I call him a golden retriever because I feel like if a golden retriever became a person, it would be him. Um, and he's just this, uh, man, he's such an earnest, amazing, amazing young guy. And uh, I remember as a freshman, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching my students to try and live this way. Like, we, we just try to create a culture, not around success. We don't care about if you succeed. We just want to take a risk. Right, so at the beginning of every Bible study, we have a time to share about, like, hey, what, what risks did you take? Like, tell about the most epic fail that happened, you know? And, like, we get to laugh about it. It's a community around, like, even our failure. It's great. And, and so he's a new student, been learning how to hear from the Lord, learning how to take risks. And he's like, oh, I've got one. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, Graham, go ahead. And he's like, so I was praying. And God told me, and I felt like God was telling me to, to get on, like, this, um, because there's children in the room, inappropriate uh, chat site. It's more like that. A video hosting thing, right? And he was like, I felt like he told me to get on there and tell people that he loved them and he has a plan for them. And so obviously, this is in front of everybody, and at this point, I'm thinking, do I have any marketable skills after I lose my job? <laughs> Tying my shoes, I'm a light sleeper, you know, like, can I monetize this? You know, I'm like, I'm going to be fired, right? And, and, and here's where the nail goes in the coffin. He's like, you know, I wasn't sure if it was the Lord, but Brent said, <laughs> you know, if it won't kill you and it's not unbiblical, just do it, Right? And I'm like, oh, man, you know, it's, it's terrible. So, so he ends up telling this story about how he's on this, on this site, and, and he's matching with people over and over, and he says, hey, do you know that Jesus loves you? He has a plan for you. And they'd hang up on him, and he'd do it again. You know, I just feel like Jesus told me to come on here and tell you that he loves you and has a plan for you. you know? And they hang up. And so he gets to 19, you know, which 
the golden retriever. Like, I would have stopped. Two is my max, right? Like, uh, so 19 times that people <laughs> hang, meet, match with him, hang up on him, like, you know. And, and so he's about to give up, and he decides to do one more. And he gets on and says, hey, do you know that, that Jesus loves you? He has a plan for you. And, and the guy on the other end says, Jesus, I've heard about Jesus. And so obviously Graham is taken aback, and he's like, oh. Okay, and so he didn't plan to share the gospel, but he's like, will you tell me more? And he's like, yeah, okay. And so he stumbles his way through just like you or I would, like if you were put on the spot, right? And, and, and actually stops him halfway and he says, wait, 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 hold on. Let me, let me get my mom. She doesn't know about Jesus either. And brings his mom and, and actually translates for her and says, oh, this is who Jesus is like. And, and later tells Graham that he had been planning to kill himself that night. And, and, and him and his mom rejuvenate the relationship with the Lord. And, and it was because Graham, like, thought God might be speaking. Put himself in a position to be rescued. Imagine how terribly that story could have gone. I still have my job. That's a sign that God rescues people. Like, you know, like, there's so many occasions like that. And, and it has nothing to do with Graham. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with a God who loves to rescue. We could do that. So, how does this change you tomorrow? You know, like, what, what does this do in your life? If all this is true, if Jesus really wants to rescue you, if, if giants really can be killed, if actually God is deeply invested in you triumphing and showing yourself to be a child of a father who rescues people, like, if that's true, like, how would it change you tomorrow? Well, well for one, yeah, you, you really could in, in, invite that, that coworker to, to church. You could do that. Like, like, David is just a shepherd. He's not a, he's not a lion hunter. He's not, a, he's not after bear meat. He's not a giant slayer. He's just a shepherd. And, and, and in the daily course of his life, he comes up, uh, opportunities come up to him where he's able to trust the Lord. He's not looking for it. He's just, he's just living. And if that's true about David, it's probably true about me and you. That even if, if we've taught ourselves not to notice, probably in the regular course of our day, we have opportunities to trust the Lord in some small way, to do something different, to engage instead of to retreat. To say, you know what, I'll stand in front of that, that sheep, I'll intercede on its behalf, and, and I'm going to ask God to rescue. And, 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 and David's just a shepherd, and you're just like, you know, a banker or a nurse you know, or a housewife or a house husband. That's what I want to be. I want to be a house husband. Like, and he was just a shepherd. And so maybe, yeah, it does look like you, maybe you wake up early, uh, half an hour, 30 minutes, and, and, and you say, yeah, like, you know, I'm taking care of my family, and I'm doing, I'm running myself ragged for them, but I don't have any time to spend with the Lord, and if I were to wake up early, I'd just be more tired, and, and like, yeah, that would, that would cost you something. Yeah, you, it, it really would cost you something. It, it, it could mean that you're more tired that day, but you'd be putting yourself in a position to be rescued. And say, okay, maybe if I do the thing that, that doesn't make sense, if I do that thing, maybe God will like, maybe he'll do something that doesn't make sense. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll supply me with like supernatural energy or, or just such peace and comfort that I love this time. It's the best time of my day. Like, like maybe if we do something different, he'd do something different. 
And maybe you do. You invite your coworker, or you, or you, or you say a kind word to that person that you don't know, or you, or you bless your cashier, you know, for, for no reason, and tell them that Jesus loves them. Maybe you just do something different. And see if God rescues you. We can do this. We, name, we may not be able to conquer our addiction today. May not be able to heal our marriage. May not be able to, to get the, the job of our dreams. May not be able to, to triumph over all the sickness in our life. Many, many giants that we don't know what God's going to do with. But there are little lions and bears along the way. We can have faith about I want to encourage you that if you wonder, like, man, like, God, I want to see my life in your story. Like, I want to read the Bible and feel like, like, at least I could get in line there. Like, like I'm not reading something unfamiliar. Like, like, I want to know what it means to grow in faith. You should ask yourself, when was the last time you put yourself in a position to be rescued? And next week, hopefully you can say it was yesterday. Um, let me pray for us.